From Stonewall to marriage equality, 50 years of pride. I'm Kyle McMorrow, and my guest is Dr. Joyce Hunter. Dr. Hunter, how are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Dr. Hunter, your work within the LGBTQ plus community has been instrumental in creating positive change over the past five decades. In 1979, you became a founding member of the Hetrick Martin Institute in New York. In 85, you co-founded the nation's first LGBTQ high school, the Harvey Milk High School in the East Village. You've also coordinated the first National Lesbian and Gay March on Washington and have served as Human Rights Commissioner of New York City. Uh, when you hear that, I mean, are you in awe from where you were earlier in life to where you are now? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? I, when I first came here, there was nothing. I went to the firehouse with a friend, and that was my first introduction to uh, a place where gay, lesbian and gay people, uh, trans, everybody could meet, and it wasn't a bar. <laughs> so for the, the changes today is really good, uh, very good. At the, but... but we have a long way to go. Very worried about the climate now. A lot has changed since you were young, and I want to I want to sort of start there. Um, born in Staten Island, right? New, New York, through yeah, eighty years ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Early on in life, your mother was sick, and and you had to go to an orphanage. Is that right? I, it's hard for me to talk about that. Sure, sure, sure. To say it out loud, <laughs> it's even harder for me to write about it because some people want me to write about it. Uh, well, we can fast forward. Um, then you you came to the Bronx. As you were trying to find yourself, I guess, um, a lot of people started to look to you. Um, at Hunter College, you were, you were asked to be a, a spokesperson, right, for yeah. Lesbian Rising? I wasn't even a student, uh, but the, one, the students didn't want to be known as a spokesperson for a lesbian group. So me and another person, a guy named uh, Harold Pickett, he was the head of the Gay Men's Alliance. So to, at least I had a buddy, even though he was in school, he, he didn't mind being uh, out and that was in the 70s. Right. And yeah. Now, and I didn't mind. <laughs> uh, so w- was that a hard time when you were both finding yourself and people were looking to you for guidance? I and mean, how did you balance the two? Well, I don't know if they looked to us for guidance. We just were there. So there was a place for them to come at, at Hunter College. And we had a room. It was called Room 245. And in that room, uh, we had a counseling service. That's how I got into talking to young people. And um, that's what we did. And they came. And eventually I realized that some of these kids had some very serious problems. And, you know, I wasn't trained or anything. So uh, I went down to, and I asked one of the vice presidents to uh, to be a supervisor for us. Okay. So if I had a serious problem, I could always refer it to him. Because he was a social worker as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how we got started. And now 79 was a, a big year for you. Uh, two things, the March on Washington. There was originally a group of people in Washington that were going to do the march. They, it was their idea, actually. And um, they, for lots of reasons, they didn't, it didn't happen for them. There was too much uh, bickering and infighting and and racism and some, you know, stuff like that. So for the people who were involved. So what we decided to do was we still wanted to march. So, uh, we, um, I don't know who it was. I think maybe Steve says, you know, Harvey still wants to march. Harvey's in California. Harvey, this is when he was still alive. Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk. Yeah. So, so what we did was we, we contacted Harvey. Harvey was very much into the march. So, 
then we said, well, how are we going to do this? You had to, you know, how are you going to get a national march? We didn't have uh, cell phones. Uh, yeah, no, no, no <laughs> texting. No texting. No Instagram. <laughs> no Instagram. No, no Gmail. Any of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, well, we we decided to call for a meeting at the Friends Meeting House in Philadelphia earlier that the year before. So that took a long time, but everybody came. But before that happened, and as you know, that Harvey got assassinated, and then. And, you know, the, the people in San Francisco, we're going to march for, for Harvey. And everybody wanted to march. So that wasn't a question. The question was, who was going to do this? So instead yeah. of this deterring the march, the Harvey, Harvey Milk being assassinated, it actually inspired people. Oh, it, it, yes, it instigated that march. We were ready to march and only that march and hit heads if we had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so uh, so then we went to Philadelphia and we had to... I was just reading something this morning in one of the books that, um, what's her name, Fetterman, you remember her name? Lillian. Lillian Fetterman uh, wrote a book about the gay revolution. And, the, and I was just thinking about the time that we had such fights over the issues that were going to be a demand. Uh, I think everybody wanted to demand everything. And they also wanted some uh, things that we didn't approve of uh, morally. So the thing was, how were you going to have very conservative people, people who wanted to do away with the, the age of consent, and those of us who really wanted to help youth? So, but we worked it all out, as as you as you know now. Right. And um, how uh, inspiring was it when it when the day came when the march came to see everyone it was one of the best days ever it was a great day i never saw so many gay people on a it was a lot it was well over a hundred thousand people but i also believe that it was an impetus for the media to take a real look at this movement and see it for what it was for we also did that during that time that we were there preparing we um we had a whole week of uh, of lobbying efforts, and then people were all over the country, so they can go to every state, uh, every uh, legislator from different states, and it worked out well. And that's really significant because, as we mentioned, there were no cell phones or texting, so this was you really had to put the the legwork in to make all of this. Oh work. yeah, telephone the boy. Dude, I don't know what the telephone bills were. <laughs> That'd be bad. <laughs> Hi, but. It worked out, and we and where there had not been any gay organizations in states like the South and other parts of the Midwest, they now had coalitions, and it was all because of that first march. Uh, the second march was more about gay men's health and uh, and the health of lesbians of everybody, all of us. So people, you know, it was a hard time, and then. Uh, the quilt came on in '87. We so and so before we we get into that, let's let's go back to '79, which was also significant for um, Hetrick Martin Institute, right? And yeah, so I'll tell you the story about it. Okay, please. That, <laughs> so um, after the march was over, uh, myself and another person uh, who co-coordinated the march with me, a guy named Steve Walt, um, we were invited to speak at uh, a LGBT Democratic Club here in the city. And um, 
So we talked about where the movement was going, and of course we didn't know about AIDS was going to be around the corner. And um, so after that, I talked about the future, and that the that the uh, older lesbians and gay people really had to get over their fear of working with the LGBT youth. And so, uh, so I talked about that, and and I was really up, you know, saying that we we made it. We've got our foot in the in the door, so to speak, even in Washington. And then um, after the talk, Damien and Emery came up to me and was said that they were very glad to hear that I what I spoke about young people, and and then they said, "Would I come to dinner with them?" And they invited me to have dinner. I had good dinners then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could eat anything I wanted. More affordable dinners. More affordable than today. Yeah. <laughs> than today, yes. And in any event, uh, they talked about what uh, about this kid from uh, a shelter on near Forty Second Street that a guy named F- Father Ritter was working uh, at. Anyways, this kid, a gay boy, was beaten so badly, and he was thrown out of the agency. And I said, you know, there are some places that are are working with youth. But I said there was nothing really coordinated between any of the groups or working with any of the other youth agencies. So we decided to uh, start this organization. Just like that. And Just so, like that. And now 40 years later. And 40 years later. From, here we are. From apartment meetings to they're, they're now a, celebrating 40 yeah, years. Yeah, this is uh, an, an amazing organization now, the Hedrick Martin Institute, right. doing really good work. The school now, the Harvey Milk High School, is now a regular high school within the New York City. Well, I want to get into that, the Harvey Milk School, because okay. also co-founder right. you are. Um, and that was a few years after HMI, right? That, right. That you started. Because what happened was we saw kids, kids were coming into the agency when they should have been in school. So they were coming earlier in the day to hang out. And at first, you know, we didn't think anything of it. And then when I asked them, why aren't you in school? They went and told me they get bullied, they get beat up and nobody and all the teachers looked the other way and uh, so it was safer out on the street and uh, and it was really hard for them so we decided well uh, th- that was the issue were we going to do uh, a GED program for these kids or some of them were too young to have a GED they needed to be in school so uh, what we did was we called up the, the board of ed I wish I could remember the name of the people that we dealt with because they were good people. Um, and so uh, they were good people, but it's a bureau- bureaucratic system. So it was very hard to get what we wanted. And then we decided if a year later, uh, as we're struggling to get the school set up, uh, we decided the school was better because of what I just told you, that they, some of them really needed to be in a classroom. Sure. But the classrooms, uh, not to cut you off, but the, the classrooms, you had like one or two classrooms, right? It was a, right. It was, it was a- big, one big classroom at first. Yeah. And we went to different places. We went to the church that was on just below 8th Street in the village. And one of the things that had to happen was we had to sue them. We had to, we said, we're going to sue you. We're going to sue the state, the Board of Education, if they do not allow us to open this school and give us teachers. 
So that was a threat. So were you getting some pushback that you had to take it to that step where you, you threatened? Well, we lawsuit? felt that. We felt that things were not moving them. We said, well, you know, what is the big deal? Because when they came to the office to visit, they wanted to know who are these kids. So we told them. We can put everything out. You know, the kids allowed us to do that. But they insisted we're not going back into the classroom. So yeah. the Harvey Milk School, naming it that, did you have a relationship with Harvey Milk? Did you know him at all? Not personally, no. Okay. And none of us knew him personally. And we had two names. I, w I knew Audrey Lord, and I wanted her name. And the other two wanted Harvey. And... Um, that didn't happen. But because he was assassinated, they felt that we should do something about, about that. And that he was a Long Island kid. He lived out on Long Island. That was where he was from. That Harvey Milk School. I mean, this might be hard for you to answer, but um, being one of the founders of the Harvey Milk School, is that a defining moment for you? Is that something you're most proud of? Where, do you, where does that fit for you in your accomplishments? It's right up there because... Those young people are going to be the next generation of, of lesbian and gay people who are going to have to, to make sure that their rights are still available to them, their civil rights. So, unfortunately, a lot of them died because of the AIDS crisis. Right. All right. So, the, the school obviously has grown to more than just a, you know, a oh, church. Oh, no, it's a regular high school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because we went from the church, then we went to Beth Simkatura, and they, held, uh, they let us use that space for the school. And then after we left, uh, we were on 23rd Street, and we moved from 110 to 112, or vice versa. <laughs> we needed a bigger space. So we had to move because we didn't have enough room for everybody that was coming. The counseling got bigger. More and more people were coming in. Families were starting to come in. I'm, I'm very, very proud of that school. Well, speaking of, of rights and, and not losing and fighting, uh, 50th anniversary of Stonewall is this year. And um, you told me that you weren't there. No. I, I, I mean, I knew about it. I heard about it. But I wasn't going to go. I'd lay, I stayed away for, I think, a month at least. What was your reaction when you, when you first heard the news? It made me very scared because I was going to these bars in those days. You know, they would raid the bars. So even the lesbian bars, you know, mixed bars. So, and I was married at the time too. Uh, still married. And and I had two kids, so I, I wasn't going to, that was scary for me, yeah. So because I went out with my friends, uh, my husband who passed away, uh, we divorced very early on uh, in our marriage, but, um, and then I, I went and did my thing, but, you know, uh, it was very hard. So my friends, I met other gay people because I was, uh, I was working in this uh, restaurant, and I met a lot of lesbians, and a lot of them were married. So I felt comfortable around them. But then we would go out, and and when I, I said to my husband, I said, "I'm going out with the girls." It was no big deal to him. Although when I told him I was gay, he said to me, "I always knew." <laughs> he said, "I thought I could change it, but he couldn't change me because I didn't change him, and he was bi." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, keeping secrets, right? Right. Worst thing in a marriage, but we turned out to be good friends. Okay, that's good. Yeah, there was no hostility there, you know. Right. Setting, uh, obviously, you weren't an eight-year-old girl who said to herself, 
hey, I want to co-found a, a high school for LGBTQ people. Uh, when I was eight years old, I wanted to meet other girls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were you weren't thinking about any of that. No. What at what point in your life, or was there an instance in your life where a switch went off and you say, you know what? this is necessary, I need to do this, or I want to do this? Yeah, there was a moment. It was when my friend took me to a dance on Wooster Street at the old firehouse. That did it for me, because I was not in a bar. I could have a lot of fun. I wasn't worried about somebody coming in and shooting us all up. And I don't know why I wasn't worried, but I just felt safe in that group. And it was mixed dances, and, you know, the lesbians were there, and a lot of a lot of women were there that really did a lot for this movement. Jane O'Leary, a lot of them. Were you fearful a lot um, because of who you were? Was there a lot of angst for you? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't want to get caught. You know, I would go down to the village by myself and just walk around, thinking because I I think I saw the voice uh, where it said something about homosexual gays or whatever the language was at the time, and. Uh, I said, oh, so I'll go down there and see what I could see. I usually walked down there, walked around, didn't see nothing, go back up to the Bronx. Different worlds at Very that time, different the world. Bronx and the, vi- and the village, and right? The, different world. Well, the village looked comfortable enough, but I just didn't know where anything was. And so you just walk around there. They had a lot of art and, you know, all that bohemian stuff. So it was really cool. Well, Dr. Joyce Hunter, uh, once again, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. Relive the history, hear the stories, and be inspired. From Stonewall to marriage equality, 50 years of pride at 1010wins.com slash pride. I'm Kyle McMorrow.